You know, they say one of people's biggest fears is public speaking, you know, getting up in front of a crowd, everyone is looking at you, waiting to hear what you're going to say, and then saying whatever you've prepared to say. And uh, for some reason, that is, that is considered a great fear uh, that people have. And, you know, I don't really have to do it that often. I mean, uh, you know, occasionally at work, I'll, I'll speak at a meeting or something, but I don't know if there's really, these days, there's more Zoom meetings than in-person meetings. But it's a small group usually. And, you know, the last time I really had to speak in front of a crowd was back in uh, 2014 when I gave my one-minute pitch at uh, <clears throat> that VR conference I went to out in Silicon Valley. That was a long time ago now. What, eight and a half years ago? What? What? Time marches on. It really does. Um, and I suppose you could say that what I'm doing right now is a form of public speaking. Uh, but it's sort of time delayed. I'm imagining there's an audience listening, but it's, it's oh, everyone's in the f- near and far future. I mean, I suppose for something like this, this show, The Overnightscape, there could potentially be a lot more people listening as it's sort of intended to be something that is preserved for people to listen to into the ongoing future. Uh, who knows how many people could be listening in the future, and never mind the thought of... Uh, alternate timelines. I could be addressing billions of people right now. Hello, billions of people. How are you? But it doesn't really feel that way. Right now, I'm just walking down the street. You know, Actually, I'm going into work in New York City. It's amazing. I haven't been in there for a while. It's time to go back to New York City. The morning commute. Got my ticket, and I'm all ready to go. It's one of those days it's going to be hot and cold. So I wore a short sleeve button-up shirt, and I have my new... Uh, hoodie from uh, American Giant, which is very warm, actually, so uh, hopefully this combination will work out. Anyway, so public speaking, so um, what's been going on here? I live in Nutley, New Jersey. I have a house, a modest house on a modest street here in Nutley, New Jersey, and, uh, you know, I live next to, uh, in the back of my yard, it's sort of a the back of, like, the main street, you know, so there's, like, parking lots, and there's, like, gravel, and, you know, like, they have, they put, like, the emergency lights back there. It's, like, it's just, like, a kind of, like, a back area right now. It's pretty sedate. I mean, occasionally you have teenagers hanging out back there, stuff like that. It's, you know, some people driving by, whatever, walking their dogs, but it's really pretty mellow, you know. There's not, there's not a lot going on. Um, so what happened was, there was this, uh, store called Ciccolini and they sold appliances and furniture. We actually bought stuff there. I think we bought a refrigerator there. We bought some Lazy Boy furniture there. You know, it was like it was like a one of the old school. It's on a main street of a town. It's owned by like a family, the Ciccolini family in this case. You know, it's just like a it's like a, a local business, which of course was driven out of business by your Best Buys, Lowe's, Home Depots, etc. And the various uh, huge discount furniture stores, obviously. Though I did, you know, with Lazy Boy, it's funny because uh, we bought several Lazy Boy pieces of furniture. And everything we bought from them was actually fantastic. It's like, uh, we bought, like, we actually went to a Lazy Boy location in, uh, <coughs> by what used to be the West Belt Mall. It's currently Wayne Town Center. But it was, like, in that near there, a freestanding area. We got this uh, reclining couch. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it's this dark blue color called Gasolina. <laughs> it's so great. But we got a few other things. We had a previous couch, I think, that we got rid of. And some uh, Ottoman-type things uh, that could be a seat or a table. <laughs> and uh, it was all great. I don't know. 
you know, you see, at times when you look inside these things and see how it's sort of like flimsy wood inside, uh, it's a bit weird, but, you know, they're actually good furniture. Anyway, this place shut down, and uh, there's a large building, you know, in the, sort of the town of Nutley. You know, apparently um, a developer was interested in buying it and building a mixed-use building, which would have... Um, businesses at the ground level and then apartments above it and certainly permissible within the the existing zoning and uh, the thing is the town would have lost a ton of parking spaces Uh, so because and then they would have to use those spaces for the people living there so the town decided to buy the building for three point almost 3.5 million dollars and that was years ago and the property has sort of sat dilapidated it's uh, this uh This property, you know, it, it was like this big building that was empty and all these parking lots. And uh, eventually, like, like teenagers used to hang out on the roof and throw bottles and stuff. And eventually the, the roof collapsed. And, and like the, the front windows, the blue glass out into the sidewalk. Luckily, no one was walking by at the time. Hey, I walked by there. I was lucky I wasn't there. Um, so that prompted them to, you know, there were some local news stories about it. A news helicopter or drone. I, I think they use drones now. The helicopters are too expensive. But anyway, uh, <laughs> to get that aerial footage of news events. Uh, yeah, they tore the building down. So it's been sitting there, this empty lot, you know, for years now. So what they want to do is they want to build a, uh, a larger project, you know. A lot of towns are trying to get these big developments in. With a lot of apartments, a lot of businesses, maybe some public parks, all sorts of stuff. So, like two years ago, they had a Zoom call about how they were going to use a mechanism of New Jersey law to declare the the area in need of rehabilitation and or redevelopment. Redevelopment is uh, when a certain area just needs to be completely redone. And rehabilitation means, you know, it's, this is, it could stay, whatever's there could stay, but it needs to be fixed up a bit. And this then gives them certain powers again, as a town under New Jersey state law. So they, last year, this is, this, is, this is like this endless story that I've been dealing with. So I, was, I went on the Zoom call two years ago and asked them, what are you going to put there? Like, we don't know. Meanwhile, it's right behind my house. So whatever they put there is going to impact me personally. I have to sit and look at whatever they put over there, some sort of giant apartment building. Anyway. Now, meanwhile, it could be cool. I mean, they're saying they want to make a park. They're suggesting maybe there could be a brewery there. Listen, Nutley has not ever been like this kind of cool town like Montclair, New Jersey, where the young people hang out and, you know, go to go to like cool restaurants and bookstores and theaters and stuff and museums. No, it hasn't really. It's not really that kind of It's more of an old school town. And I do appreciate that about Nutley. I do like that Nutley is kind of, uh, you know, it's old school. It's not pretentious. It's working class, but it can. There's very expensive sections. Um, you know, we have some famous people that came from here. Martha Stewart, of course. Who I don't know how how famous she is anymore. I think her star has fallen. Uh, Annie Oakley, the Old West sharpshooter, and there is actually a um, a collage or mural behind the commissioners there at at, at city a town hall. It's not. A, it's a town, not a city, and it includes, of course, Annie Oakley and. Our post office also also has a large painting of Annie Oakley, the sharpshooter who was part of uh, Wild Bill Hickok's 
Western show. She's from Nutley. Um, and it's interesting because when I, I was like, wait a minute, was she... Because another New Jersey celebrity from a couple towns over from West Orange is Thomas Edison, the, the great inventor and uh, promoter of things. And uh, I'm, wait, I'm like, did they meet each other or were they around the same age? And for some reason, I thought Annie Oakley was like older than Thomas Edison because she was like from the Old West, which seems like a long time ago. But I looked it up and no, I think she's like, like about 15 years younger. Don't quote me on that. I, I think... Edison was like 1847, and Oakley was like 1860. She was born. Anyway, uh, I think it was in 1894, she was uh, spending the winter here in Nutley after she had become kind of a Western celebrity and uh, went down to West Orange, and they actually, Thomas Edison actually filmed her in his film studio. I don't know if it was the Black Maria. I'm assuming it was. The film studio that could turn around on a giant turntable uh, and filmed her doing her sharpshooting. I looked at a little bit of that on YouTube. So I don't know. Thomas Edison is older, was older, is older than, uh, than Annie Oakley. That's kind of interesting. But Annie Oakley is like our top celebrity. Martha Stewart, you know, she kind of went to jail. And again, she's not as popular as she, as she used to be. Didn't she have to work with Snoop Dogg to try to build back her credibility? I don't think it worked. Anyway, I don't know what she's currently doing. I think she's out of jail by now. And, of course, Robert Blake, the actor and accused murderer. <laughs> Somehow there's guns or crimes involved with all these people in Nutley. Uh, <laughs> and he also was one of the Little Rascals, Mickey, in the later episodes of Little Rascals. I, I know I keep looking at these articles, like how many Little Rascals are still alive. I think there's still only like two left. Is Robert Blake still alive? I don't know. Of course, in late career, amazing role in uh, was it Mulholland Drive by David Lynch. Yeah. Anyway, and of course, Nutley was featured a bit in the TV show The Sopranos, which was re- recently voted the best TV show ever by some magazine. I know Furio, one of the characters, bought a house here in Nutley. And Nutley is associated with the mafia, organized crime and stuff. You know, as a regular person, you don't really see too much of it, but I have, I mean, I have experienced hints, hints of it, but I'm not involved in that scene, so. Wow, look, at the bus stop, the similar man. He's there. This is, gonna, this is like the first time since the pandemic. Wow, this is going to be a great meeting. All right, I'll pause now, and I'll tell you about my public speaking when we get to New York. All right, we're here. Yeah, it was great. This guy uh, I used to talk to at the bus stop all the time. I uh, sort of nicknamed him, nicknamed him the similar man because he had some similarities to me. Sort of not exactly like me, obviously, but a similar type of person. The similar man. Good, good conversation catching up. I saw him once at the at the local supermarket. I think uh, in 2020 or 2021. We both were were wearing masks, of course, at the time. But he recognized me, and it took me a second to recognize him out of context. I, I, it wasn't the bus stop, so I didn't know. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, I uh, was doing some play testing for Flea Devil Solitaire on the bus, of course. Uh, the past few weeks have been really an, uh, probably the most active time of development I've ever had on this game. 
this has been in, in the works for 15 years now. And, uh, or is it 16 now? I'll have to, I'll have to look into my notes. Um, ooh, yes. This bus terminal. The land of beer is still not open. Oh, well. I was here not too, too long ago. I was here a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so Flea Devil Solitaire is my solitaire game. And I thought it was done, but I started coming up with new rules for it. And uh, it's getting better and better. And I keep thinking I'm almost ready, but I can't quite get the tuning right, right? I added royalties uh, as, a, as a scoring method, um, went to three zonkers. Again, don't worry if you're not following this. I, I don't want to get into a deep explanation of it. But um, I got to the point where, so basically we're using face cards, right? Jacks, kings, and queens to, to really, for, for the scoring, um, and uh, I found that with the new configuration, you know, and I also brought in walkie-talkie, uh, with two zonkers, it's too easy to win, and then with three zonkers, it's too hard to win. It's been very frustrating, so I just came up with the idea for zonk out pretty much, you know, last night and today. And on the bus, I developed it further. You know, the zonk out is basically pay three if two zonkers are next to each other, and you can... You can get rid of one of the zonkers. It's sort of like, as the theme of the game is something like a flea market, the zonkers are these kind of annoying stoners who just sort of wander around and then they never buy anything and they just sort of ramble on. And uh, the idea is that, that, that when they're hanging out together, you give one of them a, here, here, here's 20 bucks, please go, go buy yourself some ice cream or something, kid. <laughs> you know, get rid of them. So the idea is that the zonkers, especially if there's three, and especially toward endgame, um, it can really uh, make you fail because it's making all of the remaining cards much further apart. So you got to pay extra to make every match. So the idea here is that Zonkout is if two Zonkers are adjacent, you can pay three to knock one out, to get one out. And you could actually do that twice. You're always going to be left with one Zonker. Which is the, you know, the intention was the zonker, at least one zonker is always there, anyway. So, it's a little too early to tell if that rule is going to help tune the game to where I, I feel it needs to be. Uh, it's been frustrating, but it's also been a fascinating journey um, trying to get this game going. So, hopefully one of these days I'll, I'll get the balance right. Here on 41st Street, past the New York Times building. So let's get back to this topic. Yes, I did do some public speaking. So what happened was, right, as the town had this property, and uh, I found out, I've been learning a lot about uh, civics, I suppose you could say. Is that the right word, civics? So each town has something called the master plan. It's an official uh, document which describes, uh, you know, the, the f future direction they'd like to see the town going. And then a county, each county has its own master plan as well. And these are, these are things that uh, kind of guide these decisions. And I think that the master plan is saying, you know, they want to improve the appearance of the downtown, the main street, 
bring in better businesses, make it more visually attractive, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is something that is a legitimate um, goal, right, for, for a town. A lot of towns are in disrepair and they're messed up, but their, their dream is to make the town better. These are the master plans. So, they sought to, not just the property they bought, but the, the whole block is kind of run down in a lot of ways. So they, they sought to have a declared area in need of rehabilitation. Only their property is, is in need of redevelopment. This, this gives them extra power. So they did declare the whole block, the commercial side. My side is a residential side. It's zoned differently. An area in need of rehabilitation or redevelopment. And, uh, but they said they're not using condemnation. Apparently you can start the whole process, including the possibility of condemnation. That's where the town can condemn your building and force you to sell it. And there's also another term, eminent domain, where they basically seize your property. They have to pay you for it, a fair market value for it, I think, but you have to sell it. In this case, they say they're not using eminent domain or condemnation, but the idea is that there's so many privately owned properties that would need to be bought by a developer and they'd need to be voluntarily sold. So there's a lot of questions about this. In fact, the town attorney who says he also works for Morristown, a town, you know, about a half hour away driving, um, said that they had a similar project that they deemed an area in need of rehabilitation. And uh, they, they did not, the property owners didn't want to sell, the developers tried, but they couldn't get it going. Then they restarted the process with a condemnation, and that scared everyone, and so they sold and it got built. Anyway, so last year, I know this is like this is like a soap opera. Last year, they um, put out a, re a request for interest. The town basically um, went to the developer community and said, we'd like to receive proposals for uh, prop, uh, projects you could build on, the, on this land. And they received three RFIs, which we got copies of through some sort of Freedom of Information website. One of the images from one of these um, plans got onto Facebook kind of anonymously and people were outraged because it was this the whole block was this giant like ugly apartment complex and that's really what kind of got us you know really so we we, we started meeting uh, a few of us in the neighborhood started meeting as a group to talk about it we found out just just the other night that uh that indeed uh they rejected those plans and that they they use those plans in a way to take the next step which is to create a redevelopment plan the commissioner said that they traveled all around New Jersey looking at similar projects and then they built this uh, redevelopment plan uh, including all of the best things they saw including a public plaza you know um, you know limitations and especially uh, 
limitations on building materials and architecture. It can't just be a big blocky building. It has to have varied features, things like that. So, it was like last month. Was, yeah, just last month they uh, released this plan. And I've read it through. I Pretty much twice I read through the whole plan. And I have, to, I have to admit, I think there's a lot of good ideas in the plan. It's not a terrible thing to try to improve the town. It just seems like there's way too many apartments included. But I suppose that that's the, uh, the money. That's the, that's the sweet spot for the developers. The more apartments they can build over time, they can make a ton of money on the rent, obviously. Because... Right, I mean, if you build some spaces for stores, you can have the commercial rent, but then above it, you can build all these units and get rent out of them. So, anyway. So, we had the plan, and uh, this, so the other night, Tuesday night, today's Thursday, Tuesday night was the meeting where they were going to vote on the adoption of the plan, which at that point, through the rehabilitation laws, they could effectively, they could rezone the whole area because it without going to a zoning board or anything because it was an area in need of rehabilitation. I kind of enjoy the legalistic theories and all the ins and outs. I do have, definitely have a, a legal mind at some level. I find it kind of fascinating. Uh, so anyway, we met and we had to figure out what were we going to what are we going to say we we agreed because i as i even told them when i met with them a few weeks ago like listen you know there's not this plan is not all bad there's some good ideas in the plan you know it could be a good thing but obviously you know so we need to if we're going to criticize it we need to focus on specific things in the plan so i worked out with my neighbors one of my neighbors was going to talk about the traffic issues cuz currently our street it's a side street, but a lot of people drive real fast down it to avoid the main street and the lights, which is, they're just speeding. It's supposed to be 25 miles an hour. You see people zooming down at 50 miles an hour. It's ridiculous. Um, another, another one of the neighbors was going to talk about the impact on the local schools, which are already overcrowded, and now this would add more. So I did work hard. I tried to find an angle, and I basically wanted to really just focus in on what's going to happen to me, you know, and my neighbors who are right next to the property. Uh, so I read the plan and they said they're going to build a fence and plant some trees and put a buffer zone and this and that. So I really just focus, and I decided, you know, I think it was a good idea to just focus on one thing and not, and be brief. And I, I was very happy. At first, I was going to like start off saying what I felt about the plan. No, I just want to focus on one thing. I'm very happy I did because I felt my my uh, set when I got up to the podium and talked. I uh, I feel like I was very focused and did not was not overly long. Some people did go on and on, and some people, you know, were a little all over the place. But it's understandable because there's it's, there's a lot going on. But I did prepare and spend a number of days really considering what I was going to talk about. So one guy who went on and on and on, a, a local, a, the guy who owns one of the properties on the block, he would not get down. He was up there for about 40 minutes going, talking in circles, basically. And it was so annoying because I was just waiting to go next. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get it over with. So I get up there, finally... And uh, 
So I'm like, hi, I'm Frank Nora, give my address. And uh, so I'm like, so I, you know, I live right next to the property. And I, I said, I'm trying to visualize what it's going to be like. And so then there's a guy who's like the, uh, the consultant. I'm like, so it says they're going to build an eight-foot fence on the property. And he's like, yes, and planting trees. But I'm like, we live on a hill. So like, you know, these buildings are going to be four stories tall. How tall are these trees going to be to block the view? And he's like, well, they're going to be 12 feet tall. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's not going to block it. So we sort of, so I, I just sort of was asking, you know, like, they admitted. They're like, yeah, if we, there's apartments there, they're going to be looking down into your yard. And you're going to be looking up into their windows. They didn't contradict me. They're like, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. So, and it, it was really aggravating because there's this woman that was, like, looking at me with this, like, cringy expression, like, it looked like she was like, huh? Like, like, as if I was like the biggest weirdo ever. She was looking at me like, huh? Like this cringe and this confused like sneer. Like, what the hell am I doing wrong? I, I, I thought I was being somewhat lu- lucid, right? It really, I'm like, I, I don't want to think about it. But, uh, but then I, I, I looked at her. She, she did that same expression for everyone. So that's just, that's just her natural expression. It wasn't me. Oh, wow, look, the holiday market's here in Bryant Park. It wasn't me. But yeah, when I got up, I'm like, uh, I started, at the very beginning, my voice sort of quavered a little bit. Uh, but then I got, you know, I was confident after that. And because and, I'm taller, like they had the microphone on the stand. Everything about this place is old and worn down. You, the sound system is horrible. You can't hear anyone talking. It's just a mess. But I think all the municipal stuff is like that, right? Uh, so I, uh, before me, they had someone hold the microphone. So I'm like, yes. That's for me. I will hold the microphone. But, you know, and then I finally basically... I, I didn't want... A lot of people were coming off kind of combative or angry about it. I just said, listen, you know, anything you can do to help mitigate the, the impact on our lives, those of us living right next to the project would be much appreciated. And I said, you know, is it, is it your intention to really keep this in mind that we're living here and, like, yes, it's our intention to try to minimize the impact. I'm like, okay, thank you. Then I think I asked about the, uh, during construction, are they going to build a fence? Because that's going to be fun, <laughs> building this massive building right behind my house. What the hell? It's a whole thing. Ooh, look, a skating rink. So yeah, I feel like I, because I prepared and was very focused on one thing, and then they gave everyone a chance to come back up and this and that, and I didn't go back up, so... I felt it was a successful, and it was from preparation and just you know keeping it brief and focused was my uh, my, my my goal, and I think it worked out. I don't know. I think the town records it, but I have to see. I have to see if there's any recording of that. Not that I really want to revisit it. And that's kind of it. I mean, at this point, so they did eventually. It went real late at night, like till like ten or eleven o'clock. We got there at around seven. And then they still were going on to other business because this was such a... I mean, they've never done a project this big. Like, like This is like unprecedented in, in Nutley. But it, eventually all the commissioners you know, gave some comments and all voted yes. I, I think we all expected them to vote yes on this. As they are really facing an uphill battle, as the economy is not really great for this kind of project, they've introduced a lot of challenges for any developer that would come in and do this project. So there's no guarantee anything's going to happen with this project for many years. The next step would be if a developer does come forward and is able to convince some people to sell, 
and does <laughs> present a plan, then we can, we can uh, you know, go see the plan and have public comment. Uh, and I really do think that it's, like, in a way, in a situation like this, it's just important to show up, you know, just to physically be there. You know, I felt like I was sitting there kind of towards the front, and the commissioners, you know, they were definitely looking at me and stuff. Because I, I was basically someone, I think all my points were completely valid. Like, I, my life is going to be impacted by this project. Listen, I bought a house. I love my house. It's Everything's great. And now you're going to build this huge thing right behind my house. I never thought something like that was going to happen. So, I, I mean, I think that, not that it's going to change the course of this thing, but hopefully if there's any junctures where they have to decide to do it one way or another way, maybe they'll tend towards doing something that will lessen the impact on the on the on the neighbor I don't know but I think it's important to show up just physically being there and go say something right it shows that people are interested that people care enough to like go to the town hall you know on a weeknight and actually get up and uh, talk at a microphone you know it sort of doesn't matter what what you say as long as it, you know what I mean as long as you show up it's kind of that's the most important thing in my opinion but yeah, a bunch of neighbors. There were, we covered a lot of bases. We had a really good turnout, I think. And, uh, you know, because the fear is like, I'll be the only one that goes up there and everyone else doesn't care. But there was quite a few. Quite a lot of people there and we made our presence known. And Again, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen over there. It's going to be kind of interesting. I mean, what if they do put a brewery there? That'd be kind of cool. Because I, I love the brewery over in uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I went to with PQ. A place like that would be amazing. Go get fresh beer on tap, hang out. I would love that. Maybe Nutley can become a cool town. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, so yeah, that's that's the whole story. So I did all right, I guess. Anyway, I heard a rumor. One of my coworkers mentioned to me that they're opening a vegan hamburger place over here. And I think I see the, in what used to be the Mets clubhouse store it was a store that sold Mets New York Mets baseball team memorabilia or products and I see it I think I see it what is the name of this there's a hoarding on there of course the there's your vocabulary word hoarding h-o-a-r-d-i-n-g is the the sign they put on a store before it's actually opened let's see yeah the Pret-a-Manger is gone there's a chopped kava, and then let's see, what is it going to be? I tried looking up online, I couldn't find it. Like, like trying to find out like a store that hasn't opened yet is kind of tough. So it's between the kava and the chipotle. Obviously these are office buildings full of workers, so they put a lot of lunch places here. It is called, oh, Plant Burger. Plant Burger. P-L-N-T. Plant Burger. So PLN, like, I guess maybe maybe plant with an A was taken, so they, uh, all right, let's see, plant burger hoarding, let's see, let me write that down in the show notes here. I think it's P-L-N-T as caps, P-L-N-T, burger, it's actually not clear how you'd write it in upper lowercase hoarding. Alright, let's check out this hoarding here. 
So the first thing I notice is that it's a giant picture of a, you know, like a triple cheeseburger kind of deal. And it's pixelated. It's low res. It probably looked good on the computer screen, but now that it's going to, now that it's eight feet tall, it's not. It, you see all the pixels. Wah, wah. See, that's exactly what I do. I, I in my job, I make sure that never happens. Is we do make hoarding, hoardings as well. Plant burger. Have your burger and eat it too. Hmm. Coming soon. Have your burger and eat it too. Uh, does that make sense? Have your burger and eat it too. Well, would, wouldn't people normally eat hamburgers? I mean, yeah, that doesn't. That's not a good sign. It's a, it's a somewhat incoherent slogan. Eat the change you wish to see in the world. Well, at least that's a little better. It's not the best, but yeah. Have your burger and eat it too. Oh, have your cake and eat it too. Okay, I guess that's what it's riffing on. What does that even mean, though? Hmm. And then there's a very pixelated... Uh, th I mean, the production work on this is despicable. It's, you know, even the... E you can even tell, even though it's low res, the, uh, the masking is bad, too. Despicable. As I, this is my job. This is what I do. I do production like this. Why is it so pixelated? I, it really wouldn't have taken them that long to fix this. I mean, this solo res, it's like a preview image. Follow us at Plant Burger. Now hiring. Download our app and earn free gifts. Anyway, I shouldn't be nitpicking. It's a vegan burger place, right? Essentially in the same building where I work. Let's not nitpick. I need vegan food. There's not a lot around. I'll forgive them the pixelated monstrosity that is their hoarding. All right, now it's time to go in to the place of work. All right, heading out for lunch. <clears throat> Figured I wouldn't need my... Because I was wearing that uh, that hoodie I got from American Giant. It's a bit heavy. I figured it might be warm enough out to have the, the short sleeves. Feels like it's on the edge of being a little too cold, but we shall see. Thinking of heading up to an urban space food hall that I have never been to on 52nd. Uh, just about 10 blocks up. Be cool to go to a place I've never been to. There is a plant burger down on 27th, but I don't know. I'll, I'll try that. I'm really just not feeling it. See what they got here at the Urban Space. I know they have at least a place called Plant Junkie. Instead of Plant Burger, it's Plant Junkie. Anyway. It's nice to be back here in New York. Somewhat. <laughs> really, I mean, if you really think about the uh, my my love of Midtown here, where I work, it was really based on this that daily grind of being forced to be here and experiencing it and getting used to that the daily grind and the commute. And then once you're really used to all of the sharp edges, then you start to notice the little things, you know. But I'm certainly not as. It's weird though because now. I haven't... Oh my god, the hell is this music? I have not been here that much. But yet I still have that just over-familiarity with it. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. It's like I'm over-familiar and also haven't been here a lot recently. It's weird. 
Well, look, this uh, Grace Plaza has uh, been opened up a bit more. I don't know. I miss the old Grace Plaza with those marble benches, but this one seems all right, too. <clears throat> anyway, I last night I kind of ran across uh, the Urantia book. I ran across this from time to time. <coughs> I remember seeing it in bookstores in the past. I don't know if it's still in bookstores. This is the Urantia book, U-R-A-N-T-I-A. And it is this 2,000-page book that was supposedly, uh, I guess, uh, channeled from some supernatural entity. And I think it came out like in 1955. So I don't know if the channeling was going on in the 30s and 40s. I'm not sure exactly how it worked, but um, I never read it. But, I mean, I've read bits, read bits and pieces of it. And uh, the way I got kind of into it this time is, like, I'm on one of the conspiracy message boards. Someone had a link to this audio, this, this, uh, re- this like, library of uh, information. Wait, this is 6F. Okay, yeah, I want to go up. It's a library of esoteric information, including texts, uh, books, audio, video. So I just glanced at it. I didn't know if it was anything I really needed to worry about. But the audio one, I looked in, and then I saw the Urantia book in there. So I started listening to some random parts. One part, I think it's from uh, Paper 30. They were listing all the different types of supernatural entities. And I just want to say, the, every, every time I dip my toe into the Urantia book, it does not ring true. It does not... It does not seem... There's many things about it that seem very suspicious, obviously. I watched a YouTube video where the guy, you know, criticized it and said that, uh, you know, beyond anything else, it was discovered that hundreds of... not Maybe not hundreds, but a, a huge number of... Bo- Parts of the Urantia book were uh, plagiarized from other books, like just copied down. And he said, "Why would a supernatural entity need to be to be plagiarizing things?" Right. But beyond that, some of the specifics are just really. It really reads like science fiction, but it is hugely detailed and uh, this grand scheme of the different universes and the different levels of control of the universe there's all these different beings and all these different positions so uh, it it just struck me that it does touch on a topic I I mentioned last episode which is that I know most people would say there's no proof of the supernatural okay I get that but let's say there is supernatural and there are supernatural beings that are not of this earth right right if you were in communication with a being from another world, another dimension, what have you, there seems to be this assumption, as the guy on YouTube said, wow, if it's a supernatural being, they wouldn't need to plagiarize. They know everything. Uh, there seems to be this assumption that information that comes from a supernatural source is, is, is completely reliable and it's completely accurate. <laughs> and where the, hell does that, where the hell does that assumption come from? It's, it's like there's a, uh, in terms of the, um, what's, what's the right word for this? The setup of the arguments, right? It's, 
the uh, the argument of whether or not there's these supernatural beings is so such a big wall. Do they exist or do they not exist? Or is it all fake? Is it all in people's imaginations? Right? That um, the, this weird assumption builds up that, well, if it really is supernatural, of course all the information is completely accurate and true. Because all supernatural beings are completely omniscient and completely truthful. <laughs> Wait, what? Where did, where, where, did that co- where did that idea come from? It, it just—it's a weird—it's—it's uh, it's, it's a weird assumption that that I think uh, sort of is laced through all sorts of supernatural thought. Um, as I mentioned last time, the issue—well, I had my own psychic experiences, which they may have been actual psychic experiences, but the specifics of what I was perceiving could be. Uh, invalid or wrong or deliberately deceptive, right? Just because you're having, you're gaining information supernaturally doesn't mean that it's accurate or valid. You see what I'm saying? But there's always this assumption, oh my God, this guy's psychic, he knows everything. And as I mentioned, I think it's an angle that when I asked the sorcerers out in New Mexico about this, I, I don't think they really even responded to the question, which is their... their they describe themselves as sorcerers and describe how they have supernatural experiences, perceiving things and beings and right. Now I know the normal what's the right word for this? An argument or an analysis, right? The, the normal analysis would be, well, either they are or they aren't. If they aren't, it's on their imagination or they're just lying, you know, and there's nothing going on. If it is a true psychic experience, then of course everything they're experiencing is completely true and completely accurate and and everything they're perceiving psychically is exactly as it seems now that to me is like so strange because why would there be that assumption because there are um, you know and I think the one place where you you would see a reference to supernatural information being inaccurate is I guess in sort of a Christian or a, a Abrahamic traditions where they talk about evil spirits or, or the devil or whatever trying to deceive you you know but where the hell does it does just a general sense in all the worlds the occult the new age and all this kind of thought that anything that's channeled is accurate right there were all these channelers back in the 80s like remember Ramtha this woman who became like she channeled the spirit of an Atlantean warrior, right? And again, the sort of the analysis is, well, if she is, of course, everything Ramtha is saying is completely accurate, but, it, but probably she's just making it up to make money and start a cult. Well, what I'm trying to say is, what if there is actual channeling, but the actual information the channelers are presenting is inaccurate, deceptive, and worthless. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. I just don't hear that aspect. I don't hear that aspect of analysis. So, when it comes to the Urantia book, it does seem that what they describe, it was a, a psychiatrist who had a patient who, a man who has remained anonymous all this time, who, while asleep, would sort of 
start speaking in a, a compl- with a completely different personality, claiming to be a sort of a an exchange student from like an, another dimension or something, and was authorized to give us some information, right? So they would they wrote this stuff down. They would in, and they would interview this being through this sleeping person. Where the plagiarized stuff comes in, I don't get. If what they were, if the book is supposed to contain transcripts of what this, the sleeping subject said, when this other being was taking over his body and speaking through him, where does the plagi- what Where do you have to go copy stuff out of another book? But anyway, just like that guy on YouTube, I, for, I forget what it was called. He said, "Well." If there's, if it was an actual alien speaking through them, they wouldn't need to plagiarize anything. They know everything. <laughs> Wait, maybe they don't know everything. So, I, I couldn't. I didn't really do too much research on it. But when it comes to the Urantia book, what if it was actually, um, the, the, it was actually a, a supernatural being, a being not of this earth, that somehow was able to enter this guy's body while he was sleeping and speak, right? But. The information that was given was not... It was all fictional. It was like, maybe the, maybe the guy's writing... It does sound like... A, it almost sounds like um, a role-playing game supplement where they're sort of world-building. It sounds like an extremely detailed cosmology for some sort of sci-fi universe. What if it was just... Uh, like an alien sci-fi author that was like just playing around, messing around and giving all this information that was all made up. No one ever seems to go in that direction. No one ever seems to consider that. I just want to point out that that is a distinct possibility. And I think it, it, goes, it holds true for a lot of right supernatural stuff. And I really think about that on my own because I do have, again what you might describe as psychic experiences and gain some kind of psychic information through visions, whatever. But I personally, uh, I find it interesting. I find any information I might obtain interesting, just like I would find information, you know, from a dream, like a a storyline from a dream. Like, what was that dream I had the other day where I was, like, flying into space on a card table, all that other stuff? Very interesting. But it's really... I would really not want to give it any credence or any... If it's interesting, it's interesting as, as a fictional, fanciful idea. But I would not want to give it much weight. Again, there'd be real easy ways of someone that had a source of supernatural information to uh, prove it, right? Like uh, a six-digit number written on a chalkboard in a sealed room. Give me that number. Do it consistently. We've, we've just proven something. I don't know. I don't think they've ever done that. So I think it's interesting. So I think, to me, I would look at the Urantia book as something that's, uh, you know, it's an it, it could be considered a supernatural phenomenon, but I would give no credence to what's written in there whatsoever in terms of it being true. And I think people get sucked into it, and, and they say it's not a cult. Up and down, it's not a cult, it's not a cult, it's not a cult. You know what? I understand. It is a cult, okay? I'm sorry to say. It's not a, your typical cult that's like, you know. And I don't know what the intention of these people was. Just imagine these people, as they observed it, this guy who may have been like a real idiot in real life, you don't know, 
when he falls asleep, he starts talking about all these brilliant uh, 15 different universes here and 25 different universes there. And they're like, there's no way. This guy is, is not smart. How is he coming up with all this stuff? It must be supernatural. I can understand being really excited about that and it being really cool. But I think it's... And, and it would be something that would be worth recording and saying, wow, this guy, here's the phenomenon. This guy, he never would have made this stuff up. He Listen to what he's saying when he's asleep. For it just They should just say for what it's worth. We're not saying that this is true. Anyway, I just wanted to make a comment on that because it was bothering me. And I also wanted to see if, the, if I could use any of the audio on the other side. But I, you know what? I just... It is, it is kind of a creepy cult, honestly, and I don't, I don't want to like, give them any, any further promotion. You know? Oh, look, the MLB store. Nice. Oh, wait, is this a store? Wait a minute. No, this wasn't a store. This was a... Oh, cool. See, let, me go, let me go to the baseball store. Yeah. Yeah, I've been keeping up with the World Series. It's tied 2-2. Philadelphia Phillies versus Houston Astros. I'm rooting for the Phillies. Wow, this is cool. It's a whole store of baseball stuff. I could have been a baseball fan. I talked about that so much. I asked my father again uh, this past weekend, why did he stop being a baseball fan? Because if he was a baseball fan, I would have become a baseball fan because it's the sport that, I, that matches my natural personality. Um, he said he doesn't remember. He thinks because the Yan- he was a Yankees fan and they were so good and they just were winning all the time that uh, he sort of lost interest in it. There's this baseball music that's going on here. Do they have any... Oh, look, yeah, uh, defunct teams. Here's a hat for the uh, Montreal Expos. It's kind of cool. What kind of baseball music is this? Get out of here. There's like a downstairs here, too. Yeah, I would buy a base, an actual baseball, but it's not vegan. It's made out of leather. They <laughs> need vegan baseball. Let me go to the basement area here. They, they even have La Crusette um, cooking pots that are branded to the various baseball teams. What was this place before? Wasn't this like a broadcast studio, or am I mistaken? There was like it was like a sports TV station. There's the MLB photo booth. Cool, man. I like going into random stores like this. Shirts, hats, a lot of shirts and hats, as you might imagine. Any hoodies? Of course, there's some hoodies. Some rainbow logos. Some baseball artwork. All right. Baseball tickets. Oh my god. No, it looks like someone holding it. It's, it's a mannequin holding up a baseball bat, but for a second it looked like someone about to hit me with a baseball bat. Nice. Arizona Rattlers, is that that team? Alright. Nice. Let's get out of here. What is this? They're selling game-used dirt. You can buy actual dirt. 
actual dirt from various uh, Coors Field. 40 bucks for a bottle of dirt. Petco Park. Marlins Park. <laughs> Game used dirt. I like that. Bottle of dirt. 40 bucks. Like, you know, I, I can... Un- Listen, let's, get, let's just t- take a step back for a second here. I understand the concept, like... There was a baseball game that was played in this stadium. And they had some, like, dirt on the ground, and the baseball players were, like, stepping on it and stuff. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the actual dirt the baseball players were playing on. Okay, I get it. We're going to put it in a bottle and sell it. Sell it for, like, five bucks. It's dirt. Please. $40? What the hell? That's ridiculous. 40 bucks. Get out of here. Does everything have to be so expensive these days? Hello. <sighs> nice, okay. Oh, look, Radio City Music Hall. Walking on the avenue by Radio City with a transistor and a large sum of money to spend. Bad sneakers. I have some kind of sneakers on. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I'm dressed kind of shabbily today. <laughs> I just have a short sleeve button-up shirt that's tucked into black jeans and these kind of Under Armour sneakers, cheapo Under Armour sneakers. I feel rather shabby. It's a shabby day. Shabby day. I like that phrase, shabby day. It does feel like I've sort of stepped into my own past. I'm back in this New York City. But this is the present. This is the present moment in the real New York City. This is the cutting edge of time. Or the quavering now. Yes! That's the title of today's episode. The quavering now. This is That's quite a title. And uh, where did it come from? Well, I, uh, I misread something. I was reading, uh, I think the... T- uh, subject of a an email um, and I saw it as the quavering now I'm like oh my god that's so cool I wish I had come up with that but then I saw it wasn't that so I can use it uh, no one else ever used it the quavering now it almost sounds like the, like wasn't there something like the naked time or something it almost sounds like a, an original series a Star Trek episode the quavering now Look, here's some art in an office. <laughs> the classic, there's a classic work of art in this office lobby. It's like a pile of, of blankets. <laughs> that's now, it is, it's literally a pile of blankets that's tied together with some string. <coughs> that's art. <laughs> it's laundry, it's not art. Get out of here. Jeez. The crap that passes for art these days. Please. I mean, by that definition, like, the average laundromat would be worth, like, a billion dollars in art. I mean, just imagine. All the piles of laundry, each one is worth, like, a hundred million dollars each. That's art. Get out of here. The quavering now. Let me see. All right, we'll get to that in a moment when I get to this. Uh, there's the food hall. Yes. Somehow the whole food court is gone. Food hall. And this, even this word food hall was not really as big, like, a few years ago. 
but it's come to mean what I used to call hipster food courts. It's essentially a food court, but just with higher-end stuff, and usually within the scope of the higher-end stuff is a few vegan things. They, start, they toss in a few vegan options because it's kind of cool and hip and with it to at least uh, con- consider the vegans, even if most people are not vegan. I know most of you listening are not vegan. Listen, you can do what you want. Where, oh, this is... Oh, that's like Times Square over there almost. No, it's, it's north of Times Square. Here, I've never been, I've never been here. But this, um, I think, yeah, yeah, there's these breezeways up here, these walkway, um, you can go through the building and, I'm not describing it properly, like a breezeway, I know there's another word for it, but I think, I think there's some show art I did that had one of these breezeways. It's cool. There's a statue of an elephant. There's some, someone dancing on top of it. That's actually... It's like a bronze statue or something. That takes a little more skill than piling up laundry, but, you know. All right, let's check out Urban Space. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't need my... I'm, I'm fine with this uh, short sleeve. My analysis of the weather forecast was uh, adequate. All right, let's go to Urban Space here. Seymour's. Oh, and it has a depressing seating area upstairs. Yes. Just like that other urban space I went to, uh, not too, too far away from here. All right, let's go. So we got to get a lay of the land here. 21 greens. Mm-hmm. I want something that's, that, that's like good. I want a good food. Cherry crepe. That doesn't sound very vegan. Go fish sushi box. Bowl chicken. But why are all these places so... They have dreamlike names. It's not even like... Hmm. Vegan sushi now. Bull chicken. Roberta's. And here is plant junkie. I don't know. I'm not really... I, I may have to go to this place. I don't know. I, I don't know. I had a few things in this place. but The hipster. The perfect chicken sandwich when you don't want chicken. I'll, I'll come back to that. There's no line. Gabriella's Cochina de Mexico. Uh, there's a uh, someone pulling a whole thing of paper towels here. Tomo Tomo. Oh wait, this place has some vegan stuff, right? Isn't this a place where I got like a $25 burrito the other a few months ago? Hmm. No, no, no. That no, no. That's not this place. I'm thinking of a different place. Yeah, they don't have... Oh, no, they do have vegan. Now, wait a minute. Uh, hmm. Let's see. No, they, no, uh, yes, they can make a vegan ramen. All right, well, that's probably what I'm going to get. Pita Euro. Bao by Kaya. They have some... What does the V mean, though? Vegan or vegetarian? An empty space, Casa Toscana, and Daily Goods. Mm. All the young urban professionals here, the yuppies, the yuppies. No, this place is not. All right, I think I think vegan ramen wins. Uh, it always wins. There's nothing. It's my favorite thing in the world is ramen. So, well, my favorite food product, really. 
you get that. Then we'll talk about the quavering now. I like, I love that title. And I did work up a nice piece of show art for that one as well. It's always very crowded in this place, as you can tell. Alright, I got the veggie ramen with extra noodles. I figured I would throw some extra noodles in there and I got a little can of the Ido N unsweetened green tea. Perfect. And it was under $23. Now listen, that may sound like a lot to you, but for a place like this, anything under $30, you're doing, you're doing good. You're ahead, of the, you're ahead of the curve at that point. <laughs> These places are not cheap. But I don't think there's a bar here. Last time, that's why my meal was so expensive last time, because I got, I got beer. The beer was like, oh, they do have some beer over there. Now, wait a minute. No. Listen, I don't need beer. Green tea is fine. But I wanted like an IPN. Remember, it was, it was, that's why it was like $35 for like a burrito and a beer. Ridiculous. Inflation. This is too much inflation. You know? So, anyway. This place is called Tomo Tomo. So, kind of like Tomo Sushi or Tomoe. T-O-M-O-E was the sushi place that was downstairs from where I was living on uh, Thompson Street in the 80s. I think that place is still there, Tomo, but they pronounce it Tomo, not Tomoe. Tomo Sushi. All right, I got it. No, that's not, that's, that's cold brew, that's not beer. Um, let's go up to the depressing seating area. It's been so long since I've been in a depressing seating area. Maybe it's not even going to be that depressing. I just, from my... You go up to the second level, it looks kind of depressing, and yeah, there's like a big duct. Well, you have to have ducts to make it look more ur- more urbanized or more industrial, like to be hipsterish. Uh, it may not be depressing, but there's no place to sit. Now wait a minute. No, it's it, it, it it's it's cool. I like it. Just gotta find the right spot to sit. I think that darkened part over there is a good place to sit. We can talk about the quavering now as well. Yeah, here we go. Oh, I love it. You can see a little bit down to the next level. You can see the street out. There's a kind of a brutalist hotel next door. Well, it's a brutalist wall. It's not brutalist architecture. Let's see what we got here. They actually gave me a bag. I thought bags were illegal. All these scoff laws. Oh, there's extra noodles separately. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the noodles are the best part. They don't give you enough. So yeah. This is going to be good. Yum, yum. Thanks for coming to lunch with me. All right. You have to trust in the veganism, but, you know, if it says vegan, you know, hopefully they know what they're doing. Ooh. That's pretty good. So anyway, let's talk about the quavering now. This is, uh... <coughs> so it's the idea of, like, the current moment is sort of quivering or quavering or not really uh, completely in focus, the quavering now. So, I think if I can find this here. It was an email, I think from uh, Peter Bernard, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Yeah, so Peter Bernard sends a lot of great emails. I do, Peter, if you're listening, I enjoy your emails. He's, he's, he's also a, he's a 209 guy. One of the few 209 guys out there. Anyway, he sent an email that's, it said, Salty Cracker, live on the quartering now. <coughs> the quartering. <coughs> so, <coughs> when I looked at it briefly, I thought he said, 
Salty Cracker Live on The Quavering Now. I'm like, oh my God, that's the best name for a show ever, The Quavering Now. But anyway, so I wrote it down. What, what that actually was were, I, you know, I have to admit that this, that these individuals, The Quartering and The Salty Cracker, these are, I guess, like YouTube personalities or who knows, they probably even, they're probably so cool they've been kicked off YouTube and now they're on like Rumble or something. I have no idea who these people are, but apparently, like, the quartering was, like, amazed that the Salty Cracker would come on his show. Again, I've never heard of these people. I have no idea who these people, who these people are. But anyway, that's the origin. Thank you, Peter. The origin of the quavering now. <coughs> anyway, let me have some, uh, let me try this out here and see how this is talk about the show art which uh, so there's a whole story behind that as well and wow look at that show art if I do say so myself that's quite good I like it now let's see. what the hell sorry my glasses were acting weird um, let's try this out here try out some ramen here oh wait I think there's a situation here yeah 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 okay I'm glad I didn't try to eat it like that so there's the broth down there and then there's all of the the noodles and the vegetables and stuff so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the extra noodles in first that'll be like the lower layer right and then I'll put the rest of the stuff in so it's almost like you mix it in yes see I'm sure some people that are uh, ramen novices could uh, make that mistake I think I have made that mistake in the past all right this it's like you have to, you have, it's almost like constructing a meal. Okay. Let's dump this stuff in. Oh, wow. This is some meal. Wow, my God. This is so good. And a lovely paper bag that I can use as a garbage, a garbage bag. So I don't have all this junk all over the table. All right. Let me mix it all up in there. Mix it good. It smells pretty good. Maybe I didn't need the extra noodles. I, maybe my eyes were bigger than my stomach. I don't know. What I, what I had for breakfast? Oh, I had for breakfast this morning. I had a bagel that was with butter and um, marmite with a <coughs> vegan egg and uh, and vegan cheese. So that was a pretty big breakfast. But I need I need a good lunch. Let's see how it is. Mmm, yum yum yum. I love ramen. I think it's good. I got the extra noodles. I think it's like. Be a very hearty meal. Wow, wow, that was amazing. The extra noodles, once they all merged in with everything else, what a fantastic lunch! It's my new favorite lunch. It's my new favorite lunch. Tomo, Tomo, who knew? Wow, I'm stunned. And then the really, like, I'm sitting in the most depressing part of the depressing seating area. The ducks and above me, and it's darkened. And, oh my god! Eating ve- vegan ramen, extra noodles in a depressing seating area, with all of you listeners with me. What a wonderful moment! And this this tea is, of course, the best too. Unsweetened green tea. So anyway, <clears throat> I've had a. You know, the past uh, week or so, the couple times I had this real eerie feeling, 
it's like weird is like not even the right description. An eerie feeling, I think, is, is would be more like it. Um, as I described on last episode, when I went down to see my father and brother on Sunday, the way back, I, I wanted to drive down Route 124, but I got completely lost. I wound up driving down these random roads and winding back on the same road I was on. I told you all about that. And I started getting this really weird feeling, eerie feeling. Then I went down Route 10 and went to that cigar store, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo. And again, an, an eerie feeling inside there. Just, that's the best way to describe it. Then as I was driving down Route 10, because I, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this part. Yeah, I went on Route 10 and I, <coughs> I went on uh, Eisenhower, then I turned left on Eisenhower Parkway. You want to talk about a left turn. This is bizarre. That, that intersection of 10 and Eisenhower Parkway, you never see anything like it. It's like this, it's like, it's like literally like shaped like a, a pretzel or like, it's a, it's a traffic oval, but then there's two, there's one road going through the oval. And there's a ton of lights. It, 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 it's crazy. So turning left, it's like, it's almost like a Hail Mary. Where, 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 where am I going? <clears throat> and then I went up. You know, it's funny because um, if, you, if you go all the way up Eisenhower Parkway, you cross over uh, uh, 278, and then the road ends. <laughs> they, did, they never continued it. It's the weirdest thing. I, that happened to me once. I'm like, wait, wait, what? The road just ends? So you got to take a right at the, at the Luke Oil. Well, I think that Luke Oil, that's a Russian gas station. I know they, they made a lot of noise about closing Luke Oils because they're from Russia. You know. But anyway, uh, and then you turn left at, in that, uh, to Roseland. Then eventually you get to uh, Bloomfield Avenue. And I've done it where you turn right and you go through Caldwell and <coughs> Verona, Montclair, all that stuff. I just turned left to get back on uh, 46. I didn't want any of that. I wasn't into like having a super epic journey. But anyway, the part where I was driving down Route 10 after I left um, the Casa de Monte Cristo cigar store, I, uh, again, it was just such, I mean, it's, I don't even, it's, I can't even fully remember how weird the feeling was, but I pulled up to this light, right, <coughs> as you can see in the picture here, <coughs> and uh, I looked over and I saw a portion of this this concrete barrier between the, the you know the eastbound and westbound lanes that had been eaten away by time and you see sort of the the wire mesh underneath it and uh, so I whipped out my phone because I was driving but I was at the light I whipped out my phone and took one picture put it back in my pocket and this is that picture <coughs> and uh, wow so I I really wanted to make an episode called The Quavering Now and uh, so I didn't quite remember this one, but I, I knew I had some pictures, including trees and stuff, that may be good. When I saw this one, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. This is the quavering now. There's so much going on in this picture. Um, <coughs> right? I'm in my car, and the rearview mirror is there, so we're looking backwards in the now. Then there's that worn-away concrete where you see the structure underneath it. To the left, there's a do not enter <coughs> in front of us. Really cool. <coughs> you see the road stretching on ahead of us. There's a red light. And then it says no by the red light. I think it just means no U-turns or whatever. But no from what you can see here. And then the hills in the distance. Is it an, an A6 at an Audi A6 in front of us? 
You can see I don't have to get my car inspected until 2027. But we've been leasing cars every three years, which is kind of a luxury to get a new car every three years. Yeah, if you bought a car and paid it off in five or whatever, then you kept it for another five. You had five years without car payment. Who thinks that far ahead? Come on. No one. Well, the smart people do. I don't. <coughs> oh, wow. And I, I kept that. See, you know what? I'll keep that. There, there was a little bit of a, a gray outline that I, I used just for the design part, but I think it's good to have that in there. It feels like it should have a little bit of an outline. So anyway, uh, uh, to typeset the quavering now, I, I, I looked at that uh, incredible page, Luchini type. It's not even fonts for sale. I, I had to I had to go through. I had to, to kind of hack into the. I didn't really hack into it, but I had to go into the source code to, to grab the fonts. This font is called Hypnos, and uh, it's definitely one of those phototype fonts from the 70s. And I did wind up uh, applying a, an outline to it, as you can see. <coughs> it's, a, it's white with about an 80% uh, <coughs> opacity, and uh, love it. I love everything about that. And then it was just hard for this layout to um, <coughs> fit an overnightscape. So... I decided to come up with a new squarish one where it says the overnightscape. I've done that a few times in the past. And I used a font called Every Font Ever and just played around with randomizing the widths and heights of things and, and gave it kind of a, a reddish hue. And I think it just works great there. It almost, from a distance, it almost looks like a weird Chinese character, but if you zoom in, you see it does say the overnightscape. I know technically it should be the over-night-scape, but listen, let's not worry about that, okay? So that's the story of the quavering now. <coughs> but what is this eerie feeling I've been having? And I would like to say, uh, yesterday I had the feeling again, right? Because Tuesday night was a, a crazy night where I went up and spoke and that big town meeting and everything, which I said I think went very well. Well, over the weekend we really cleaned up our, our house and the main floor so I really wanted to keep it keep up with it you know because you know how it goes if you don't really maintain it, it it just gets piled with junk what is that what's up with that how does that work I've had many theories about that but anyway um, <coughs> it was just weird like my wife was working late and the house was nice and neat <coughs> and I was and again I was just really focusing so anyway so yeah I was doing a lot of playtesting of Flea Devil, but then that's when I got onto this uh, Urantia book thing, which really gave me like weird vibe, eerie vibes, reading bits and pieces of that book and listening to it. So, yeah, it was that same eerie feeling. But I'm not sure what it means. Again, it's it feels like some aspect of reality is a little different recently. But as I was saying, <coughs> it is <coughs> it is our, our lot at this level that for some reason we can't know. We can feel these things. We can have visions and experiences and psychic experiences as some of us do. But there's no... None of it is done in a way which would allow simple verification of the information, right? 
Which would prompt some to say it's all in your imagination, and hey, maybe it is. But, yeah, what I've been feeling is just, uh, yeah, different. And I think that, as I mentioned last few, few episodes ago, I think it could be, and this is pure speculation, the feeling of jumping timelines, right? Because in a way, all of that Anthony Newley stuff that I've been talking about the last couple episodes, it just sort of feels like there was no Anthony Newley like that that I remember. He was on The Tonight Show. He was on all these shows. and like, I don't remember him at all. I remember my mother mentioning the name, but... <coughs> so maybe... In these this, the, these days, in, in the, the, the narrative of the news, they talk a lot about nuclear war. So as I'm sitting here right now in New York City, in Manhattan, right, a nuke would basically uh, be game over, man, right? So I don't want it to be game over. I like this place. I want to keep going. So if, if, if I got nuked, in theory, there would be some mechanism not known to me at this level where I could rewind and <coughs> seek out a timeline where I didn't get nuked. Right? So, it would come with eerie feelings. Right? <coughs> it would. You wouldn't really understand it, but it would feel weird to be in a new timeline. Right? In a way, <coughs> I've been used to being this version of Frank Nora, but now I'm shifting into a slightly different version of Frank Nora. So I have to adjust to it. So maybe the eerie feeling is that. Maybe there's been a lot of nuking going on, you know, in the past couple of weeks. Like maybe like every other day we get nuked and have to find a timeline where we didn't get nuked. Pure speculation. But it's fun, though. It's a fun storyline. I mean, if, if that was like a new show on Netflix, you know, the, the, uh, the nuclear timeline guy who's, who keeps shifting timelines to get away from the nukes. But each timeline he goes into is almost identical to the previous timeline. It just gives him a slight eerie feeling. That wouldn't be a good show. All you'd, you'd never see the guy get nuked. All you'd ever see the guy's like, wow, today I feel really weird. Maybe I got nuked again and went into a different timeline where I didn't get nuked. Great. Next episode. Wow, I feel weird today. Ooh, maybe I got nuked in the other timeline. <laughs> That's not a good show, but it almost writes itself. It's just a guy sitting there and just he's just thinking. He's not even talking. He's like, like a voiceover. Sitting there eating breakfast and eating cereal and like, did I get nuked yesterday and then this is a new timeline? Huh. Could be. I There's no way of really knowing. So each episode would be about 20 seconds long. <laughs> be a good show. Could I, could I pitch that to, to Netflix? It could be like, you know, like usual, there'll be like eight episodes, and each one's 20 seconds long. And that's the end. I think, uh, I think that could be, uh, I think that could work. What is this? Timeline Nuke Guy TV show. Is this a frivol? It is a frivol. <laughs> is it called Timeline Nuke Guy? I like it. Say it's a good one. <coughs> See, this stuff at least can be entertaining ideas. 
if if nothing else. Timeline Nuke Guy. There you go. We capitalize Timeline Nuke Guy because it's the title of this show. Do do do. Okay. Good 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 stuff. I want to talk about a TV show. I, I, <coughs> I get this magazine. I went over to Barnes and Noble over the weekend on on a whim, and I got a magazine called Retro Fan, which is uh, pop culture from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. And you know, I did miss some. I did miss most of the '60s. There's a lot of good pop culture I missed out on because I was born in '67. But hey, you got to be born sometime, you know. If I had to choose, I think I I chose the right year because the '70s and '80s are the that's a good time to be a, a child and a young adult. Probably better than being more adult-like in the 80s. Young adult and then, and then you know, young ad- teenager to young adult and then, you know, like early 20s to whatever in the, in the 90s. I think I got it just right. But anyway, um, In this magazine, that there's an article about The Prisoner, the classic late 60s, like 67, 68 show. Patrick McGowan. McGowan? McGowan? Right? <coughs> Was that the guy who had that show? Here's a man that lives a life of danger. Everywhere he goes, he stays a stranger. Secret agent man. Right? I think the show was called Secret Agent, and then in uh, Britain it was called Danger Man, and that was the song. And then on the Repo Man soundtrack, they had the Spanish version of the song, which was Hombre Secreto, Secret Man, Hombre Secreto. It's a good song for the Repo Man soundtrack. Anyway, uh, I had seen bits and pieces of The Prisoner over the years, but I figured it was a time to... uh, Revisit the show. So, I mean, that, that's... If, listen, if you don't want to commit to the whole... Just watch the first episode. It is called The Arrival. It is so good. It's unbelievably good. It's, like, better than you can imagine. Probably most of you have seen it, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. Which way should I go? All right, I'm going to go this way. I don't feel like going through Times Square for some reason. Maybe I should, though. All right, let me go through Times Square. I'm, so, I'm close to Times Square. <laughs> um... So you, it's on all the it's it's on the Pluto TV, Tubi. It's on all the free it's on all the free stations, on demand. You gotta gotta watch commercials though. So I started watching it on Pluto TV. Great, so great. And then the, all these shitty commercials come on. I'm like f this. I go into the realm of obtaining as as it's euphemistically called, and I grab it, grab the series, so I don't have to watch those damn commercials. I thought I had some kind of plugin that killed those commercials, but I guess not. Maybe not on Pluto TV, but, you know. Anyway, what a great show. It's about this secret agent man who may actually be his character from the secret agent show. Uh, So he resigns in the opening sequence, and then he's about to leave on vacation, and then he gets gassed, and he wakes up in the village. This this village that no one knows where it is, where it's being maintained by, who knows, the spies or Illuminati, because they do a thing called be seeing you, and they... They, they do their thing with their fingers where they make that, that O sign, which now is considered very forbidden 
because it's like if, if you do that it's like you're making 666 or it's considered a white supremacy sign you know what I'm saying but they do that and then they put it in front of their eye so very Illuminati-ish be seeing you <coughs> and uh, so good so good the classic you know I am not a number I am a free man and that whole thing I will not be filed or whatever I have to find the quote but man that show is so good I don't even remember when I watched it. I know I watched. I don't know if I... So I'm going to watch the whole series. <coughs> Just because I saw the article about it. And it really reminded me of... Uh, I've been watching another show where there's a pr- there's prisoners. Andor. This is, I would have to say, a true miracle. Because this is a Star Wars... A, a, a Disney Star Wars live-action TV show. That is good. It's It's good. It's really good. It's it's great. I am like so stunned after after being punched in the gut by one garbage TV show after another as a Star Wars fan. And I don't want to be a Star Wars fan anymore, but I can't help it. From uh, Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi. What was the other one? Uh, Bob Oh my god, that freaking Boba Fett. Awful. Oh, Boba Fett was the worst. The absolute worst. I mean, they destroyed one of the greatest characters ever, Boba Fett. He's a complete asshole. Horrible. After endless... What the hell? This is cool. We're on 7th uh, here, north of Times Square. Kind of groovy. Oh, the Winter Garden Theater. This is where Cats was for like 40 years. I remember there was an episode of David Letterman and uh, Paul Newman was in the audience. And he's like, hey everyone, I want David Letterman's like, There's a, we have a celebrity visitor in the audience. And Paul Newman gets up, he's like, where the hell are the dancing cats? Because <laughs> Letterman was right up the street. Where the hell are the dancing cats? I thought that was kind of clever. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Paul Newman, that is, not Paul Paul Schaefer. Where the hell are the dancing cats, Dave? No, he didn't say that. Oh, look, Burger Man. It's not vegan, though. All right, so what are, the, what are some posters we have here in Times Square? Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. That looks like a must-miss. Pinterest. There's an ad for Pinterest? That's that shitty site that, like, ruins all the image searches. F them. What the hell... They really are, like, the worst. Anyway, anyth- anything else good here? The whole oh, the whole building is Ticket to Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the last movie I would see. Next month, the, uh, I saw another trailer for the, uh, the new Avatar movie, The Way of Water. I have no desire to see this movie. It looks so annoying. It... I, I don't think I'm going to see it. I have zero interest in it, and I don't think it'd be even worth to watch it if it's on streaming. Horrible. It looks horrible for me, at least. It looks horrible. Here's another one. A lot of posters for Kitan. Extraordinary people. It's like a clothing company. Or are you supposed to pronounce it? Kitten. K-I-T-O-N. Kitten. Very, very vague and uninteresting. Anything else? They're extraordinary people, though. No, they're not. They look like jerks. Why am I being so negative? 
Oh, there's the actual Times Square like area down there. Anyway, um, yeah, Andor um, is the show, the Star Wars show that I've been wanting. It has a lot of interweaving storylines. It's a very adult themes, um, politics, and um, it it does start off a little shaky. The first few episodes, you're gonna think like it's not good. It gets better and better and better. And this latest episode, I think it's going to be 14 episodes, too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, really good, because Andor's in jail. And they really <coughs> allow the show time and space to stretch out and explore these scenarios and these narratives. It's not like all the other ones, which they tried to get a story, a story you know, in like 45 minutes, done. Like the story of the week. That was the old way of doing TV shows, right? Every week there had to be a beginning, middle, and an end because people were watching it live and they, they, they weren't able to like see every single episode. This Andor, you know, has Mon Mothma on Coruscant, Andor, and all these interwoven storylines. It's so good. It's giving me some faith in the world of Star Wars. And it, and it really upsets me when I see like even though, even though Andrew's getting good reviews, the fans don't like it. They prefer the Book of Boba Fett. Do they really? Or no, the Mandalorian. <coughs> Those shows were awful. All right. What are we doing here? Oh, look, Max Brenner. You know, <laughs> listen, this is a... We want to talk about a creepy, eerie place. Max Brenner. And on the logo, they had this like, like weird, like, squiggly drawing of this bald guy. And it said, the chocolate from the bald man. <laughs> and it was just so creepy. But they took it off. Listen, own it. Do it. It's hard. It's creepy as hell, but keep it on the sign. Now it just says Max Brenner and not with that creepy, creepy artwork. In fact, I remember, remember Kurt Cobain from Nirvana and his daughter is named um, Frances Bean. She became an quote-unquote artist. Uh... And she, she just drew sloppy drawings. Listen, they all do it. Whatever. You can draw anything and be an artist these days. Anyway, her name was Fiddle Tim as an artist. But she did like this. The one was really good. It was basically like this grotesque like redrawing of the Max Brenner, the chocolate of the bald man logo. That was brilliant from Francis Bean Cobain. I wonder what she's up to these days. I hope she's keeping up with her Illuminati meetings. I don't know. I have to think someone at that level is in those weird cults and stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all fine. I, hopefully she has, uh, it should be rich from that music, right? More from her father than her mother. I mean, she had a few good songs with Hole, but, you know. Not as good as Nirvana, of course. Come on, take everything. Take everything I want you to go on. Take wait, was that the song? That's not a good song. I am doll parts. No, what's that other song? When I wake up in my makeup, it's too early to do something. I can't remember the chorus. Anyway, that's Hole. Yes, the band Hole. Listen, if you're if you're a multimillionaire, you can do what you want. Just I don't know, become like a DJ or something. What do you want? Become an artist. 
but you'll miss out on the sweet misery of a job and commuting. That once you get used to it, you, you can start to appreciate the little things. And that's what life's all about. Ooh, a cement, cement mixer. Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. And I don't play those uh, modern-day war games. It may be good. I, I don't know. I'm not, not going to judge it. Yeah, it's Times Square. Oh, they have those uh, clear spheres of like... Uh, they're like six-foot-tall, like snow globe kind of things. But I saw them last year, too. I guess there's nothing new under the sun. There's the... Uh, which one was that? American Eagle. Was that... Yeah, that's where the, the last Howard Johnson's in New York was, right over there. <coughs> I believe, yeah. Or was it down there? No, I think it was there. I can just visualize the Howard Johnson's there. I did go there once. Probably in the 80s. Uh, in the 80s, the rap music was a bit better than that. <laughs> a lot better, in fact. Heck of a lot better. The Disney Store. Congratulations on Andor. Do they have any Andor products inside? I mean, it's sort of like and or, you know. Buy this and or that. What is this store closed or did wait online or something? What happened? Hmm. Yeah, the store's closed. Something happened. It's closed right now? It's not open? Okay, well, we'll come back later. Okay. Thank you. You know when it's going to be open? I don't know. They're doing some work in the back. I don't know how soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I didn't really need to ask, but I figured it'd be good to get audio of asking the guy. They're doing work in the back. Uh, yeah, it's a Disney store. Do some work in the back. You know what I think it is? Probably too many people called out. That's what goes on these days, right? <laughs> Maybe there's not there's not enough uh, employees. Hey, eh? that's my guess. I have a suspicion. I'm fairly accurate. It's my guess. But yeah, I mean, like being in New York City, based on my memories of it and everything, it just feels like a. It feels like all the vibrancy has been drained out of it. Like just the feel of New York City is kind of. I don't know. It's just, I think it may just be me. I don't know. It's just... It's not... It doesn't feel the same as it used to. It feels like an empty husk of what had been New York City. But maybe it'll come back and g gain that meaning. Maybe the meaning was more, uh, you know, on uh, the daily grind, the daily commute, and New York City as the backdrop to that. We also had better, uh, like, metal music than that. Whatever that music is. Screaming music. Listen, there's some good music now. Is there? <laughs> Maybe, yes, there's some. <clears throat> Here's your recharging station. You can recharge your phone over there. Great. But yeah, I mean, that, I, you know, I do think about, you know, the central mystery. What is this world? What is going on? Right, Earth, being a human being, all that, we're presented with this incredible mystery. 
with no answer, but of course, lots of speculation. So, one of my theories is that maybe we are prisoners somewhere, and this is like a virtual reality we're going into to help pass the time. And it's not like... It's... It can't be like a paradise because that wouldn't punish us enough. But the world we're living in is enough, has enough difficulties that it, it's okay to be like a prisoner in some cosmic prison somewhere and experiencing this reality because it's like crappy enough to qualify as, you know. I've thought of that. Because it seems like if, if as everyone say, oh, this is a, we're living in a computer simulation. Well, why is it like this? Why is it so kind of shitty around, like, in so many ways? I mean, it's great in some ways, but it's also kind of shitty. But it being a, a, a simulation for prisoners, and of course, as you may recall, I don't have many lucid dreams. When I, when I do, I don't just sit back and enjoy a reality I can control. I investigate. So I was lucid dreaming in Texas a few years ago. This is all on the show, but I'll reiterate it now. And uh, I was lucid dreaming. I was by this castle with this guard. And I'm like, listen, listen, I, I know that I'm in a dream. I'm, I'm lucid dreaming right now. Listen, you're, I don't know who you are, but what are dreams? Like, what, what is it? Tell me the secret of dreams. Now that I'm here, I want to know the secret. And the guy said, uh, listen, I can't tell you, but my boss can tell you. You want me to put you in contact? I'm like, yes, I want to meet your boss. I want to ask the question. I want to know what dreams are. So I was sort of suddenly over a stormy section of the North, North Atlantic Ocean, right? Gray, roiling seas, and there was cut into it was this huge cube-like shape, this cut into the surface of the water. Huge. It was gigantic. It was like hundreds of feet across. And I said, hey, this guy told me you're his boss. And, like, what are dreams? I just I want to know, what are dreams? What's the secret of dreams? Now that I'm here, I need to ask the question. He, and he, he said, the, the, whatever the entity was, the cut out of the ocean. Are you sure you really want to know? I'll tell you. I'm like, yes, tell me. You really want to know? I'll tell you. You're not going to like it. I'm like, yes. He's like, it's an entertainment system for the prisoners. And that was it. It was not a reg- It was a lucid dream. I was awake. And again. It's information gotten supernaturally. There's no way to it, but I don't know that I would make that up. I, I just came, wow. An entertainment system for the prisoners. I think my interpretation of that was more that <clears throat> we're higher beings that are imprisoned by being incarnated as humans here, right? So it's not like a virtual world. It's just like whatever this physical world is through, through an act of incarnation. So a baby is born and then the prisoner's soul or mind is fused with that baby and then lives an entire human life as some kind of punishment for who knows what we all did in some other universe. Uh, and that um, because we have, because the circumstance of human beings is you have to sort of lay unconscious for uh, however many hours a night that we don't really remember, but it may not... This is the thing. 
at least when you're dreaming, you're conscious. You're, you're experiencing stuff. It's, it, you don't retain the memory, but it, you are experiencing it in the moment. So I know, even last night I was dreaming, and it's just, there was nothing specific enough to really talk about. But it actually was sort of about me putting together the other side, you know, the audio on the show, and just went on and on. So I was experiencing time, and it's just that, thankfully and mercifully, it, you don't retain a memory of that time passing. You, you lose the memory of it. And uh, so you might imagine that if we were forced to lay there and do nothing for hours and hours every night, it would be torturous, even if we didn't remember it. So the idea is that there's some sort of virtual entertainment system that in this prison planet, not any relation to the prison planet by that, that guy, it was that guy... Uh, Alex Jones, I don't, I don't, I don't dig that. I don't watch that guy anymore. I, I mean, I used to watch this stuff years and years ago, a little bit here and there, but no more. Um, that they, that since, that it may be because as prisoners we don't deserve a good dream system, or maybe it's all they could afford, some sort of crappy, flawed, warped dream system. But it's an entertainment system for the prisoners, nonetheless. And that does kind of jibe with the, let me walk through Grace Plaza here. It does, it does sort of jive or jibe. What's the right word there? Jive or jibe? Jibe? Gyre and gimbal in the wave? Um, <clears throat> you know, you hear a lot of religious traditions talking about how especially the the religions that believe in reincarnation, that you need to keep getting reborn over and over again, and slowly you'll start to get, uh, you'll start to learn lessons, and then eventually you'll reach um, enlightenment. Well, how the hell did I get in that position in the first place? What kind of creep would create beings to suffer? Oh, let me create this fresh soul, and now let them suffer through thousands of lifetimes in this crappy place. So they can attain... Wait, wait. You're causing that to happen. Like, why did you do that? Why don't you create them a little more enlightened? But if it's kind of... If it is like a prison sentence, it makes total sense. You know, you keep going until your, your sentence is up. And then, you're, then you can go out of the system, the cycle of reincarnation. But it's a punishment. What the hell did we do? If that's true, what did I do? I think I'm a pretty nice guy in a cosmic sense. What would I have done in in some other world to deserve this? I don't know. Space crimes, yes. Space crimes. Heading out for the day. Lift lays off more staff. Ooh, the story just went off the screen. There's news in the elevator. Do more than make a statement. A little doesn't go a long way when it comes to DEI. Invest in BIPOC leadership and community. Oh, no, <laughs> I can't finish reading it. <laughs> but don't, don't they measure the average length of how somebody can read something? DEI? 
don't know. Look, the goods market, there's a cool new, uh, there's a kind of a cool hip, uh, uh, what they used to call like a little newspaper stand or coffee shop in the lobby. Because the old one was just sort of the old traditional kind and they shut that down. It's the future. Everything's cool and hip now. Yeah. So uh, I actually was listening to some whole inspired by uh, our discussion earlier and I, I settled on listening to Celebrity Skin from 98. And that's a really good album. I mean, I'm, I'm like really kind of shocked at how good it is. This was the album that was supposedly ghostwritten by Billy Corrigan from Smashing Pumpkins. And there was also rumors that Live Through This was ghostwritten by Kurt Cobain. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that Courtney Love is a great singer. And so you'd think, oh, at least she can write, but maybe she can't write. So she has these guys making doing the songs for her. But anyway, I kind of, I really like it. I tried listening to a little bit of Live Through This and stuff. I'm like, <coughs> I don't know. I like the sound of it. It feels very... It's 1998. It feels very 98. And, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like kind of a different vibe. It's that song, Celebrity Skin. I listened to that so many times today. I should, try to, I, should, I should try to get the lyrics, see if I can sing it. I know you'd all love that. Here it is. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be walking stuff. This music is ruining my rendition. This is not a celebrity skin. I'm trying to sing some good music, not this crap, whatever this auto-tuned garbage. Oh, make me over. No, I can't get into it with this horrible music. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. A walking study. In demonology, hey, so glad you could make it, yeah, now you really made it, hey, so glad you could make it now. I could really, I, I really can see this being Billy Corgan, you know, it's sort, sort of like, emptiness is loneliness and loneliness is godliness and God is empty, just like me, <laughs> right? Yeah. The world is a vampire. Someone even mentioned it does it does really have a melancholy melancholy and infinite sadness kind of vibes, right? I think it's a really good I seriously I think it's good. I mean the other whole stuff is probably considered better, but I really dig this one. Oh look at my face. My name is Mida Ben. My name is never was. My name's forgotten. Hey, so glad you could make it. Yeah. Now you really made it. <coughs> I still have my cold. <laughs> yes, that's my excuse for not singing like Hey, there's only one. What? Hey, there's only us left now. And here's the part I was trying to quote. When I wake up. In my makeup, it's too early for that dress wilted and faded somewhere in Hollywood. I'm glad I came here with your pound of flesh, no second billing. Cause you're a star now, 
Oh, Cinderella, they aren't sluts like you. Beautiful garbage, beautiful dresses. Can you stand up or will you just fall down? Good stuff, right? <coughs> I like it. Indeed. <coughs> anyway, as I mentioned, we had a game night on uh, Saturday. My in-laws and our neighbors. And uh, I, I had, there was a game that I bought at Barnes & Noble, not the one I went the other day. Actually, you know, I actually bought some Magic the Gathering cards we've got to check out on the next episode. Uh, Unfinity. bought a few draft packs to uh, check out because they introduced stickers to Magic the Gathering. And I think it kind of horrifies some of the purists that take their cards and seal them in multiple sleeves, multiple layers. Um, but you, you have to peel stickers off these cards. And I guess they're kind of like post-it notes. You have to stick them on cards to give them certain powers. And then you got to take them off. And like, you can't keep it pristine and sealed under layers and layers of plastic. Um, so we'll open that up next time. Got a few of those. But uh, this was a game called Take, uh, Take Five. <clears throat> a card game. Um, and it's, it's packaged with two games. The other game is called Take a Number or Pick a Number or something. Very generic name, Take Five. It was uh, apparently originated in Germany in 1994, I believe. And uh, <coughs> so it was a very good game. We all really liked it. It's just basically a deck of cards numbered from 1 to 104. And uh, each card has a number of bulls bull heads on it and uh, the idea is pretty simple you get 10 cards and uh, then every person you can play up to 10 people and then there's four cards turned up and these are your starting piles so you have to play a card on one of the piles so it might be like 13 24 you know uh, 86 and 97 you got to play a card higher than uh, you play the cards in ascending order, right? And you got to play it on the row that is the closest to your number. See, if, if you have a 95 and there's a 93 there, you got to play it there unless there's a 94. If you can't play, or if there's already five cards there and you would have to play it on that row, you take all the cards. So basically, it's a, it's a game of taking penalty points based on the number of bulls on the cards. Uh, that's basically so it's really good it's a really good game we really enjoyed it because there is some strategy that you start to figure out <coughs> and uh, I really liked it so it was really good I remember that there are other games to call Take 5 there's of course that candy bar Take 5 uh, that Hershey's introduced many years ago with that red and gold packaging uh, it was a candy bar with like pretzels and caramel and chocolate and was there marshmallow or peanut butter involved? I'm not sure. There were five things in it, though. Uh, then, then they famously... Well, I don't know how famous it was. They redesigned the package to, to look horrible. It was like black and green and white. Horrible packaging. And they said that they, they brought in mil millennial designers to redesign the package. And they ruined it. They completely ruined it, the millennials. Hey, everyone seems down in the millennials, you know. 
the boomers, Gen X, my generation, the next generations, Gen Z and Gen Alpha. They're like these, these, these damn millennials. They're like these, this whole inept generation that keeps screwing up. I know a lot of you are millennials that are. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying a lot of people are very, you know, kind of critical of the of the millennials. You know, because I think they got. I think the problem with the millennials is they got a taste of the greatness of the 20th century, and they have some of the affectations of those of us from the 20th century, but not enough. They're not like fully immersed in that milieu so they're kind of halfway there this is really kind of a kind of a kind of a sketchy theory but anyway i'm trying i'm trying to theorize i want to have some theories um anyway they ruined the packaging like let's see here, here here's a here's a traditional new york newsstand they don't have any take fives here what do they got uh twix Really, as far as chocolate bars, they don't have much. They have, they have they still have Chowards or C. Howard's scented gum. They still have that. You'd think that'd be discontinued. Someone must be buying it though. That that scented violet gum. What the hell's up with that? Hershey bars. They even have like the white chocolate with cookies, but they don't they don't have uh, they don't have Take Five. No. I don't even know. I'm assuming they're still making it. Wasn't there like a Hershey store in Times Square? I don't know if that's still there. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, they, they haven't yet made a vegan version of that, so. You know, it's weird. I've only been vegan. I've been vegan for like five years now, and I really have not been able to have any of that chocolate or anything. You know, obviously they make vegan versions of chocolate bars, but not any of the real, like a Milky Way. Or, I mean, I've had so many of them in my life. I don't know. I, I don't know that I really, I do kind of miss it, though. You know, like I, I could just go eat a take five, but I can't because it's not vegan. I choose not to. Of course, I could put it in my mouth and start chewing, but I choose not to. You see what I'm saying? I know people don't understand the whole vegan thing. It's a whole thing. I like. Anyway. <coughs> anyway. Um, there also was a pinball machine called Take 5, and it was a, a cocktail pinball machine. It's like a table. And my wife and I saw it somewhere once, and we almost bought it. But we didn't, and then I, we always kind of wanted to get it afterwards. In fact, I, go, I remember going to a pinball store, I think in Little Falls, New Jersey, and asking them about it, but it's so obscure, it's so hard to find. Uh, then there's, of course, the Take 5 board game from Gabriel. Remember that toy company, Gabriel? I'm sure they were snatched up by Hasbro many years ago. But I, ha- I had that. It was essentially a molded yellow plastic board and with little pits for your pieces, which are like little pegs. Like I think it was blue and red pegs on this yellow board. And it was essentially like Gomoku or uh, Penti or all those games where you're trying to get five in a row. You know those games? Where I can't see here, far across. <laughs> One more game. Pretty sneaky sis. No, that's that's that other game. That's Connect Four. It's very similar though. See, it all started with tic tac toe. Get three in a row. Connect Four, you get four in a row, and then take five. You want to get five in a row. What was? Remember Penty? That was like really. They were really pushing that for a long time. It was just like the same thing. Get five in a row. I don't know. I never really dug those kind of games. It's just kind of annoying. Like, 
Oh my God! If you just get if you get four in a row, then I try to block one side, then you're going to get five. So I got to prevent you from getting four. But then if you get three, you can get four. So what the hell am I supposed to do? I guess I'm not good at those kind of games. But it's Gomoku, isn't that the name? Because I mean, you could play that on a Go board. Obviously, Go is a vastly more complex game than the five in a row thing. But anyway. So I had that, and I remember thinking I could I could invent other games using it. See, I was inventing games was so long, and I decided to stop inventing games a long time ago. But this flea devil is it 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 it, it will not be held back. I, I I can't stop it. I must bring it to fruition. I must release it to the public eventually. I mean, I kind of have on the show, but. It's not the right version yet. I, I have to really see if the, uh, the, the Zonkout rule really works. It feels right. The Zonkout rule feels right. But I also, this game's getting a little complicated. I don't want to really, you know, I don't know how I'm going to teach people this game. But it's worth it, though. It's such a great game. It was a slogan I was working on. It was like, uh, like, once you learn it, an average deck of playing cards will become your best friend. Or something like that. Some kind of slogan. Anyways. Great. So yeah, check. I mean, Take 5 was a good game. I was like scouring Barnes & Noble the other day for another party game. But like, you know, there's very few games you can play with. Everything's like, oh, from 2 to 5 players. Why can't there be a game for 6 players? There's so few games for 6 players. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. Here in the Onsug, a radio station inside a book, go to onsug.com. O-N-S-U-G.com for all your Onsug pleasures. Hear all the latest shows. Check out the archive. It's called Onsug Radio. It's on the Internet Archive. Over 13,000 hours of shows. Many, much, most of it, much like this, me or someone else, just talking about so many different topics. Imagine a lifetime of listening to this sort of stuff. Sounds good to me, and you too, hopefully. Uh, yeah, we're uh, really focused on preserving this for people in the near and far future. We have a unique style, and we're a non-commercial project. Do what you can, wherever and whenever you are, to help help keep keep it going. And, uh, you know, it's a book. It is an actual book. You can buy the book. And eventually the vision is for the audio to be inside the book. We know we could do it now. We could sort of tape a flash drive to it, you know. But we want to make it more so you can play the audio in the book. It's like integrated electronics. I know it could be done now, but, you know, I don't have the money to do it right now. Uh, But hopefully then in the future someone will be able to do it. The idea is that the physical book will actually play audio or a copy of the book in the metaverse will play the audio as well. That's the idea. You can buy the book. You can download a PDF of the book. And your, your voice can be in the book. Uh, just participate in a show called... Participate in a show called Overnightscape Central with... Uh, hosted by PQ River. Listen to the latest episode to get all the information you need. Don't you want... To leave something behind for the people of the future. Listen, I know it, sound, it seems like each generation is getting worse. I mean, obviously, Generation X was the best. That's the pinnacle of generations. Baby boomers were okay, but X was the best. And the millennials started going downhill. Gen Z, Gen Alpha. 
at some point it's got to pick up again though right people have got to come back some at some point the generations will, will be cool again just like generation x yeah anyway uh hope you enjoy listening and uh, i'm gonna go up to the comic shop now midtown comics see what i can buy still have some birthday money so but then i i use my birthday money to buy this hoodie well i use a credit card to buy the hoodie but i have actual cash my birthday money i can buy comic books or something at least i'll buy previews and some mag that magazine a uh, game trade magazine it's, it's good bathroom reading material for your uh, perusal and enjoyment, in an audio sense, dig this. I think you're going to like it. <laughs> it's the other side.
thousand years BC erupts on the screen with volcanic excitement. One million years BC, when the earth parted and the mountains fell. Primitive man and monstrous beasts fought each other to inherit the earth. Since time began has the primitive scene been captured for the screen with such imaginative realism. Behold man one million years BC. Introducing the fabulous Raquel Welch, the sensational star discovery of this or any other year in one million years BC. See her as Loana the Fair One who deserted her tribe and risked her life to follow Tumac of the Rock People. John Richardson as Tumac, as big and strong as the beasts he fought for survival. <coughs> Nupondi the Wild One, whom no man could resist. See the fascinating, strange, and fearful creatures who roamed and ruled the Earth a million years B.C. The Brontosaurus, a moving mountain of flesh and bone. The Pterodactyl, a flying reptile with giant teeth. The flesh-eating Allosaurus. The Triceratops, a horned dinosaur in battle with the savage Ceratosaurus. You will share the unending thrills and excitement of a world of primitive wonders, of primeval terror and savagery. You will indeed live in another world, in another time, as the centuries fall back to reveal the Earth one million years B.C. Introducing the fabulous Raquel Welch as Loana the Fair One. John Richardson as Tumac.
tú vas a ser mi maldito compañero de patrulla, entendido? Esta es tu arma. Y este es el hombre que tenemos que atrapar. Es un peligroso traficante de armas y estupefacientes. Ha llegado a Marbella, pero no sabemos ni cómo ni dónde. Y tú y yo lo tenemos que averiguar. ¡Mira, novato! Eso en la mesa de la
behind him, both for the shoulders of New Jersey. They have a rocket for him back there now is Red Smart. And on cover, they both score. One point for Smart, one point for Sid Harness. 30 seconds to go, the diamond for more. Coming up on Satterfield now. Chicago 15. And man, that was really a ring-tailed snorter, wouldn't you say, Ken? That was really a great double-barreled effort that time. Well, Joe, that's as close as we've ever seen to 10-point jam. In other words, if, uh, if the two players, Harness and his teammates, could have got in there, top, and passed the last man, Walker, they'd each gain five points to make it a 10-pointer. Now, the most an individual skater can gain on a single jam is five. We almost had a double. Yes, we did. Sid Harness and Johnny Carp. You fans know what I think about Johnny Karp. I think he's one of the greatest skaters on the track. And Johnny keeps proving that time and time again. He can say nice things about John because he goes out and makes you look good. Just like tonight when he's blocked, he spins around, completely spins around. He's not backwards. He maneuvers at that speed. Then the moment he gains his equilibrium, he spins around again and comes out the right way. And, of course, he's off and rolling. Moose Payne coming in for... New Jersey, that means that Carl's going to do everything he can to hold the Chicago team down. They're trailing now by six points, and that's a lot of points in the road of them. On their way, here's Ken. All right, Bobby Satterfield of Chicago, moving in Chicago. Still in there fighting. Number five, Satterfield with number 62, Buddy Collins for New Jersey. One member beat team on this one now, but Howie Range is coming out, and so is Big Moose Payne.
on the live line. The excitement is bubbling over right now. Call us now. Why be lonely when you can talk to us? I just love this jacuzzi, don't you? Call me, please. We have some wonderful secrets to share. We're real, we're live, and we're waiting to hear from you. Call 1-900-5-MATE. 9.95 per call. Now, one thing, you have a theory about the moon, and we expect to be able to get observable facts about the moon fairly soon. Um, what is your theory? Well, uh, it is by now rather more than a theory. Uh, Ten or eleven years ago, I stated to various scientists that the moon is not a piece of rock, 
but it is a plasma, a plasma phenomenon, a cosmic plasma, uh, and that this fact will eventually be confirmed. I made certain predictions which were already confirmed in 1958, and the situation now is coming close to a complete confirmation. What will be the result if you are proved to be correct in your theories? The result will be uh, profound and decisive because it will give proof that a complete reinvestigation re of the laws of nature is necessary. Because if the moon is a plasma, no man will ever land on it, the soft landing attempts will all fail. That means that the mass of the moon is less, far less, than is currently assumed. It's in a different state of energy and it has far less mass. That means there is no more explanation for the tides. If the moon, for example, had only a thousandth part of its current mass, then the tides would only be two inches high and the conventional theories instead of sometimes 14 feet. And that means that if it is proved that the moon is a plasma, then all gravitational theories are out and a new concept of the cosmos and of its laws has to be evolved. Aren't you being a bit adventurous though, because uh, you know we're going to be able to test out your theories on the moon fairly soon. Well, not anymore. Eleven years ago, uh, of course, uh, it was rather taking a risk. I was considered a lunatic, of course. But by now, the evidence, accumulated evidence, is already so much in my favor that I'm not taking any risks anymore. On the contrary, uh, there is scientific views expressed all over the world now that uh, the moon uh, seems to be of a quite different nature of what was assumed. But and the, the Americans and Russians are thinking of landing men on it. Oh, well, that will never happen. Not on the moon. On Mars, on Venus, on other planets, yes. But the moon is definitely, as I assert, a plasma. I mean, I'm, I, uh, uh, I'm going to buy your mother hey, a washing machine. Get
There's our chauffeur. The guy from the truck. Then I'm going to get my brother-in-law's saloon. We've been needing one of those things for years. Listen, the same old lobby. Yeah. Well, what about yourself? What's going to be your treat? Well, I'll take a scotch and soda. I, no, you... <laughs> you mean, what am I... Well, I don't, I don't need nothing. See, I'm, I got a job. What sort of work do you do? What am I doing? Me? Oh, He's the guy who stole the truck. I mean, I, uh, Mom, did you see him open that pack of cigarettes? Yeah. Yeah, why? He opened that pack the same way the pack was open. He found in Bill's car. Remember Ann telling us? You mean you think he might... It's an angle. I suppose that's the lady. Dorothy? No. Dorothy's more like a mother to me. What do you want? Hey, Charlie. Did you say you knew that guy that won the dough? That's it to you. Hey, Charlie, I didn't come here to argue. Just tell me one thing. Did you know him? Hey, I know him. So what? It means my brother's life. That's what. My brother's life? What is this, a gag? No, Charlie, this is no gag. It's for real. Ah, bye-bye. Do me one favor. Just do me one favor. Come outside where we can talk. know about that guy that won the sweepstakes. Nobby? Yeah. He used to be my uncle's mob. Uncle? Yeah, Luke Manning. You read about him. Luke Manning? You mean the guy that busted out of Blackwell's Island? That's right. He got drowned on the way out, too. He got drowned, huh? I wonder. What do you mean? Listen, if Nobby stole that truck, why'd he bring it down the waterfront? Yeah, that's right. You mean that... I mean that maybe Luke Manning ain't dead. Remember when we went to move that barrel, how funny the guy acted? Yeah. Maybe that barrel wasn't full of wine. Maybe it was Luke Manning in there. I think you got something. And I think you're both daffy. Where can we get in touch with this knobby? I don't... Wait a minute, I can give you a lead. Dorothy Melton. Who's she? The dame in the newsreel that took the check from Nobby, remember? Well, she used to be Luke's girl, but I guess Nobby's giving her a rush now. Well, where does she live? She lives at the Carlton Apartments on 3rd Avenue. I used to deliver notes to her from Luke. Danny, looks like we got a date with Dorothy tonight. We can't break out of here. The boss has been too nice. No, but we can tell him everything. Now that we got proof that we didn't swipe that truck. We ain't got enough proof. We're going out and get it, and then we'll talk to Barnes. Hey, what do I come in for giving you all this info, huh? Well, you want to get out of here, don't you? Yeah, sure. Well, we're going to take you with us. You mean it? Gee, thanks a lot, Ethel Bite. Wait there a minute. I'll be right back. Come on, fellas. Shut up. We're not waiting till tonight. We're going right now. Good. You know the way. Take the fellas. I'll see you in a few minutes. Come on.
chegou o novo Danap Sabor a Popcorn. Nunca viste. Ganda Film. Novos Danap Sabor a Popcorn e Sabor a Cappuccino. Irresistíveis. Prova-os já antes que acabem. General Secretary, I think you understand we're not just grateful to both you and Mrs. Gorbachev, but want you to know we think of you as friends. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time I turned a lady into stone, now she has concrete nipples.
Concrete nipples, 88. Concrete nipples, won't this fix? Concrete nipples, they're so neat. Concrete nipples.